What's going on, everyone? Welcome to NFL Unwrapped. I'm Corbin Weinerman, joined by Perry Aston and Christian McGowan. Guys, how are you doing? What's going on? Doing well. It'd be better if the Rams had won. Yeah, I think we all would have been. Uh, Go but, Cowboys! Okay. Shut up, Perry. Yeah, sure, Perry. All right, before we get into the Super Bowl and what's going to be happening going into the offseason, just want to remind you guys that you can listen to us on the Apple iTunes podcast app. While you're there, go ahead and give us a five-star review. We really appreciate that. You can also listen to us on podcast.com as well as the Pulse Podcast Network. It's the first network of podcasts to be joined together in one place. They also have an app, so go ahead and look for that. Follow us on Twitter at NFL Unwrapped. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Unwrapped. Perry on Twitter at Perry Aston. And Christian on Twitter at McGowan75. Also go ahead and follow our UnwrappedSports.com Twitter page as well. Uh, we tweet out a lot of really nice articles that our contributors have been writing. To our contributors, thank you guys so much for all the hard work you're putting in. You guys continue to put out some really good articles, so keep them coming. If you guys who are listening are interested in being contributors for our website, go ahead and message us either on our website's Twitter page, one of our podcast Twitter pages, or one of our personal pages, and we'll be sure to message you back and try to set something up to where you can be writing for us. Yeah, come join the squad. It's been so fun with you guys, and starting this journey with a lot more people on the team during playoff season for NFL was so fun because the articles we got... A lot of them on the website right now were NFL-based. A lot of the writers obviously taking advantage of the season coming to an end and when viewership and attention is up. So there was some solid content on there. If you still have that need for NFL now that Super Bowl is over, we still got the fix for you on the website. I'm not going to shout out individual contributors, but you guys know who's putting in the work. We appreciate you guys. Corbin here, Christian here, they're both putting out articles too. I am not doing them myself. I'm a great writer, so I'm sure you'll see it at some point. But Perry does already I, so much for us. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying to focus on the bigger picture for you know the network and everything we got going on. So we've had some huge strides in 2019 already. It's going to be such a great year. And by the time the next NFL season comes around, obviously we still be putting out podcasts during the off season. We still stay active here at NFL and Rap. They aren't as juicy, but you know whatever we can cover, and especially when draft season comes around, that's when we start getting real excited okay. again. We're hitting, but, we're hitting second season time with but, this. With but this yeah, by the time the next season comes, we're going to be even further, and I'm so excited for next NFL season when I'm sure a lot of our stuff will also be videotaped. You can put a little bit of a face to the name for us and see the unwrapped headquarters and hopefully have a lot more of you guys joining the show. We and love fantasy having, comes back too, obviously. God, me and me and Adam can't wait for that. So. Want to just wrap up a great NFL season, regardless of how boring the Super Bowl was. Want to terrible it was. Want to say how fun it was covering the NFL. This was my first year doing our fantasy podcast too, so I was so so in there, just really paying attention to every detail of everything for football, and I fell in love with it again. Even though I don't need to, just every year reminds me why we do this. So NFL, kudos to a great year. Yeah. Hopefully our podcast and website, though, will be a little bit more exciting than the Super Bowl turned out. Let's, oh, it is. Yeah. I, I, that don't, was I, I don't know how all my money be, back. I don't know how anything could be worse than that. I mean, Me and Steve one, drank so much few. at Cabo Cantina. That's the only <laughs> highlight that I have from that entire game. But seriously, what was worse, the Manny Pacquiao-Floyd Mayweather fight? Because <laughs> I actually paid for that one, and I... I, ugh. I did, too. I, I still paid for that, too, actually. I, I found a link. I think... Of C- course you did. C- yeah. Uh, Sifa actually found a nice link for us to 
watch it in like Korean or something. So <laughs> it was it was free though, so it was good. The uh, best fights are in Korean. The worst the worst free fight I ever saw. Sorry for you guys for having to pay for that fight. But this Super Bowl was awful. I mean, Maroon Five outscored. Okay, the Rams. that's the way. I want to ask you guys: What was worse, the halftime show or the game? It was. Uh, I don't know. The last. The halftime half shows, show. yeah. Halftime show is so. They bad. haven't. They haven't been that good lately. Yeah, yeah but Big Boy at the end, low key, kind of saved it. He had pretty good set at the end, and Maroon Five and Travis Scott were awful. Maroon so, Five together. It was so weird. Adam Levine realized. This is awful. What can I do to save it? Oh, how there's many, a ton of women. There's a ton of women in the audience here. Shirts off. Wait, now how, it's good, right? How many times did he change? He had three different shirts and then eventually ended the set shirtless. I was over undering three changes <laughs> with Yamble? the people. It, yes, on Yamble. Well, by yeah, the way, you know what? Let's talk about way, Yamble for a second. Hold the fuck up, Yamble Sports. This was insane. Shout out Christian for bringing this up. We had such a good time, and I saw the second half. I was a lot better than the first. First, I finished mm-hmm. dead last. Had too much fun. I was betting on everything. Just uh, throw, throwing points around. It's my addictive personality. There was but, four points on everything. But the second <laughs> half, because it restarts, I yeah. was like sixth or seventh at the end. I actually mm-hmm. was making a push for it. I saw one dude won the first. And I think he got second in the second half. He walked away with a couple hundred like dollars. $225. Yeah. And Smart. Uh, one of our contributors, Cody, I believe, he came away with a third place prize, I think it was. So... Just to see the people on our team playing, to see I was playing, Corbin was playing, my buddy Max, the one that's on the podcast sometimes, he was playing at the table, uh, and I know Evan, the guy that I work closely with, was actually a guest on our last NBA podcast and our NFL podcast, did, did a little Q&A for Yamble. Awesome guy. He thanked us for how much we did. We just had so much fun playing, and now they're about to start doing NBA stuff, too. Well, I can't wait. Yeah, so I know the NFL season's coming to an end, but that app is still going to go. They really did their biggest test with the Super Bowl and had amazing, amazing, amazing reviews. And I cannot tell you guys how much I had, how, how great of a time that I had playing Yamble. And I need to stop the second they ask me for a credit card information because I'm going to blow this shit. I'm going to blow this shit. I would have done better if I wasn't throwing my phone across the room every 10 seconds. Like, every time that they punted or Jared Goff threw some limp dick pass down the field. But the thing is, it's free, guys, and it made the game more enjoyable. I'm talking about the worst game that I watched Super Bowl. Yamble seriously was the only thing that made it I was into terrible. every drive. My, I was like, Gurley better get a touch. My or brother, C. Anderson better score seven yards on this. My on this, brother my oh brother my finished with, I think he finished like in fifth place for the first half and second half. No, I my, definitely was better than you and your brother in the second half. I he was leading you on I took a screenshot. He finished one of the top <laughs> spots for both first half Shout and out second Austin. half. He does not like football. And he, at the end of the game, because while the game was going on, the game was awful, but... He was asking, okay, well, what does this mean? Like, who has the ball now? And he was sitting there. He sat through the entire game. That is the first game that he has ever sat through. And he, with like two minutes left, he realized, whoa, it's almost over? Like, wow, this is the first game that I've actually sat through yeah, my buddy the Max entire game. Addicted. His buddy that came, addicted. Yeah. Not, people who are casual fans and they sit through a whole They're game. Actually, he was like asking after each play. Like, I love that. I've never had that with my brother right. before. He was asking like... Okay, well, what just like what does this mean? What does that mean? Oh, is uh, is Julian Edelman uh, good? Is he their best wide receiver? First off, shout out Julian Edelman yeah. because that guy put up 
an insane. He's the only offensive on player doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I want to bring up really quick. One thing I want to bring up really quick is that I've seen debates of asking if Julian Edelman is now a Hall of Famer. And we have to retire. Dude. I don't like this debate because just because he had this performance in the yeah, Super Bowl doesn't solidify that. And I've seen people put the numbers next to each other. Adam, our guest, our sorry, our co-host on the Fantasy Pod, he put up his numbers against Calvin Johnson. It was like if Edelman is a Hall of Famer, Calvin Johnson well, is twice. Calvin Johnson's clearly a Hall. Of yeah, Famer. but it's just like, and he's not yet. But it's yeah. like. Things like that where it wasn't even close. Like the numbers weren't even a close comparison. I saw someone, I'm pretty sure it was Jericho Cotri. Somebody like that had the pretty much the same exact numbers and was like, oh, then put him in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. I get that he's got the rings because he got blessed. He never even, he caught one pass in college. He was a quarterback technically. He caught one pass and this guy put up this performance in the Super Bowl. So you have to give him a round of applause for the strides he's made as a receiver in the NFL being Wes Welker Mm 2.0 when we didn't think it was going to happen again. It did. And this guy's played defense for them before. He has tackles on his statistics. He returns. This guy literally can play all aspects of the game. So Edelman is a freak. First off, but he's not Hall of Fame worthy right now. But no. that doesn't mean that Down he doesn't end the rest of his career with a Hall of Fame ending. It could happen, considering all the rings he has too. That's not going to hurt. If he's not in the getting conversation. suspended and he can put three more decent seasons, together, wasn't he like, on steroids to start well, the year? Did we just brush this? Some sort of Did we just brush this under the carpet? I feel like we just brushed it on the carpet and just well, like forgot. <laughs> yeah, like I think this really happened. So yeah, your year was dope, but. I'm pretty sure he was on roids the He's whole year. He's definitely not a first ballot Hall of Famer. If he can keep a couple more seasons in the league, maybe he sneaks his way in in other ballots. But let's be honest, he's a product of Tom Brady. While yeah. his career is something that you should look at and be like, that is amazing, we should celebrate that. The Hall of Fame is for the top, top echelons. And while Elite. this is a nice story... Um, and he had a nice game. Uh, he's still a bitch for beating my Rams. So that's he's, all I have to say. He's about one that. of the better slot receivers. Yeah, oh, but also play. slot receivers, though, you look in the Hall of Fame, they usually don't get in. Uh, and part of it's just because they're not getting as many touchdowns as the bigger outside receivers. But Julian Edelman, he's been with the Patriots for 10 years now. His first four years in the league, he had 37 catches, 7, 4, 21. So it's really been six years where he's been productive because the following year he had his career high in catches of 105. He has 499 receptions in 10 years in the NFL, a little bit over 5,000 yards, averaging just under 11 yards per catch. Regular seasons, if you just look at that, his numbers, no, he doesn't deserve it at all. But playoff-wise, he has three Super Bowls. I believe he has the second most receptions of any wide receiver in playoff history. And I think the second most yardage behind Jerry Rice for both. And if you're going to be behind mm-hmm. anyone, obviously Rice is the player you want to be behind. Still, though, I think unless the Patriots go on another two or three Super Bowl runs, which, you know what, now I'm not going to count anything out of the question. But short of that, I just don't see how Julian Edelman makes the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I agree with you. I uh, agree with you, too. And I love his story, too, Perry, where you said when you first showed me him, he was playing defense. He was their, like, cornerback. Catching passes. He's been a Swiss Army knife for the first part of his career. 
But just because you're a nice story doesn't mean you get into the Hall of Fame. This isn't American Idol. You don't get that golden <laughs> ticket just because you have the sob story. That show's so washed up now. I don't even know who the judges are. Even the voice is washed up now. Thank but the mass Austin, are you listening to this? The Masked Singer has been kind of cool because of the celebrities they've been bringing on. It's practically the same oh, thing. Oh, I like that. But all of a sudden, Antonio Brown takes off this head. And it's like, cool. oh, shit. A.B. You know what I mean? So I think the fact that they keep bringing on people is going to add that stardom to that show. But other than that, it's just another singing show. Wait, so singing show unwrapped? New podcast? Podcast, right <laughs> karaoke unwrapped KU. I'll win it. Yeah, couple, couple, Corbin, shut up. Oh, you know I'm better. Oh. So we all went. I will Cor- Corbin's like you. the most competitive person I've ever met <laughs> in my life, and we all went bowling just to meet up, grab grab some drinks, go bowling. I won two out of the three games, oh, and I'm pretty me. sure homeboy went to the gym afterwards just to blow off yeah. steam. Like that's how pissed he was. He was I Kobe Bryant. He went back in the gym for four hours and bowled. He's like, "Nah, I just can't let this loss. I just gotta work it out. Keep shooting." Keep I was shooting. so happy afterwards. I had such I a good pissed. buzz. Corbin was, was fuming. Pissed. I was bowling half of them between mm-hmm. the legs for other people in frames. I was having the best time. So with that said, Corbin now has a bowling tutor. <laughs> goes three times a week. I also won five dollars from Christian. It's Christian Batman who would have a higher score. And I had the best time on everyone, so I won. Gamble, I'm telling you, we're addicted just to gambling in general. You yeah, when's the bowling? Like when's that. the bowling gamble thing come out? I gotta talk to Evan. We With gotta Corbin's see how addiction, that's going. he's literally gonna be on ESPN 15, just like, oh, it's gonna be a spare. It's gonna be a spare. <laughs> so let's talk about the game, and I don't know. It's really boring, obviously, but I mean to highlight the defenses because clearly it was a defensive battle, and the two coaches going back and forth, kind of trying to outsmart each other. It was methodical, not exciting, yeah. but systematic, we, very we, punting. We yeah. thought, <laughs> oh, the punters though, Allen, that dude's an absolute monster. His punts are insane. Oh, I, runner up that, for MVP. That's what I said. At some point in the game, I forgot who I asked, but I turned around and was like, "Is it possible for punter to win Super Bowl MVP?" And that's a serious question. I'm gonna lay out for you guys. Is it? Do you think that would be a possibility in a game like that? If some, if the exciting, I mean, if, it'd be the kicker. It wouldn't be the punter. Well, I think if there was like a field goal. Steven Goskowski, though, because he missed that first field goal. If it had ended like three zero and Edelman didn't yeah. have the game that he had, because the thing was usually when you get a really good defensive game, low scoring game, and this is what made this game even worse. There was no standout defensive player. Stephon Gilmore had a really good game for the Patriots, but he had one interception, and I mean, unless a cornerback... Yeah, some pass deflections. Unless a cornerback is making a lot of plays that are noticeable on TV, they're just covering a guy and they're not throwing it to him, you're not going to notice that. There wasn't... Anyone? I mean, Aaron Donald. I don't think he had, he had a. Sack. Did he have a well, sack? Well, if you're Tom Brady, the ground. Did yeah. He have a sack? I know the Rams as a team had one, one. sack, right? I can't remember who it was. Yeah, I, I was drinking perfume. Well, <laughs> second, the Patriots' offensive line for one sack, an entire yeah. playoff run that they protected Tom Brady. Or they even did. seriously, it was also by design though with him getting the ball out quickly. For the I most I agree, but at the same time, they held it down. They lost a lot of people in the offseason. Nate Solder, mm-hmm. Cameron yeah. Fleming. This is a. And Isaiah Wynn went down with an injury with their first-round guy. This yeah, was a team ridiculous. that didn't have a lot of depth at offensive line, and they really held it down with that defense for two offenses that really underperformed. They lost Deion Lewis. They lost Malcolm Butler. They not lost Nate Soldier. Their first-round pick offensive guard, like you mentioned, Isaiah Wynn, goes down. down. Cameron Fleming. Oh, went to the, Cameron yeah. Fleming was a spot starter as well. Cam mm-hmm. Fleming, yeah. And even through all that, losing Patrick Chung in the Super Bowl, Julian Edelman being suspended for four games to start the year. They lost Brandon Cooks to the Rams, who was their best wide receiver. Josh, Josh Gordon walked Josh off. Gordon. Yeah. And still, and Deion Lewis, I don't know if I mentioned Contract. that. Yeah. yeah. 
it still they won the Super Bowl. Mm. Unbelievable. Good. And we thought going into this game that it was going to be Sean McVay offensively versus Bill Belichick defensively, chess match who's going to win that. It turned into Wade Phillips defensively versus Bill Belichick defensively and just who was going to mess up first. And it wasn't really that either team messed up first. It's just the Patriots finally had on, one good drive. And it, and game. and that was the one drive where they weren't really trying to score. They were just trying to get first downs. They kept running the football and the Rams defense who for the regular season had been so bad against the run defensively in the playoffs was great against the run up until that final drive. And it just it could have turned out a lot differently. I think that pass by Jared Goff that got intercepted by Stefan Gilmore where I just I don't understand at all what he was thinking How on do you that. throw that? Even if you get sacked, you're still in field goal range, especially with Greg the Leg Zerline as your with kicker. With McVay in your ear and the year that you're having in that situation, how is just throwing the ball the option that you go with that should be i would rather throw the ball just direct like fum i'd rather fumble it i'd honestly rather fumble it because at that point hopefully yeah. at least my linemen are close to me and someone falls on top of it and then just lobbing a ball literally honestly, just fumble it, it, it was like shagging fly balls ball. like yeah. seriously it was like base it was like little league you just throw a ball but you got a kid just sitting there waiting for it to come down his dick was just like oh my god like just watering kind of thing as this ball is coming to him am i really about to just seal the super bowl right now is he giving this to me and just comes down with it like you're sitting there scratching your head as a coach because of all times to make that type of mistake and that has to be attributed to his age and lack of experience in the playoffs because you can see it a player that has that Super Bowl experience, or if your name is Nick Foles, doesn't make those kind of plays. Big when dick, it counts. Big, big when it counts. He does not do that. I he wish the Rams had him during the Super Bowl. Yeah, I wish they had pretty much any other starting quarterback for the most part. Not, I, not Dak, though. They had Jeff Fisher as their coach a few years back. Like, we need to be blessed with how LA I saw, football is. I saw right some now. tweet, and it, uh, it was uh, Fred from Scooby Doo taking off the mask from Sean McVay. Let's see Fisher. who he really is. Yeah, and then it's Jeff Fisher. But, Perry, you mentioned how do you make that throw with Sean McVay in your ear. One thing I noticed, and I don't know if you guys picked up on this, I spoke to Christian a little bit before the podcast, was that so the Rams throughout this whole season offensively, look, they're known as an offensive team. I think they were second in the league in scoring. Uh, Sean McVay's an offensive wizard. And the entire year, the Rams offense was trying to move quickly, get up to the line, snap it quickly. It started out that way in the Super Bowl where they were getting up to the line quickly. And part of the reason why they want to do this is because Sean McVay, the head coach, can only talk to Jared Goff until there's 15 seconds left on the play clock. So you want to get them up to the line so that McVay can essentially tell Goff, hey, audible into this because they're running this coverage. Look for this. Look for that. But on the flip side, defensively, just like on offense, you get one player who gets to hear from the coach and then makes all the changes. Defensively, you have one player, usually the middle linebacker, just because it's easiest for them to get to everyone. They're usually the captain of the defense defensively you're able to speak the coach is able to speak to the defense as well so what I think was happening what I noticed was that when the Rams were getting up to the line quickly the Patriots were changing their play calls defensively Belichick was telling them what to change into based off of what the Rams formation was and the Rams run a lot of 11 personnel the 
three wide receivers, one tight end, one running back. I think they do like 97% of their snaps are that. And part of that, they might need to adapt going forward because you got to just have some different personnel coming in. But Patriots were adjusting to it. So what the Rams did to counteract that was they would stay in the huddle until there were 15 seconds or less left on the play clock. And then they would break the huddle and get up to the line. So the positive, obviously, is that Belichick isn't able to tell the defense what to audible into. But the negative of that is that for the entire year where you have had Sean McVay telling Jared Goff what to do and what to audible into, now the first time that Goff is really having to think completely on his own is in the Super Bowl where he's having to make all the decisions. Bro, and not we, us. We You're saw, a professional quarterback. We, uh, I'm, I know, but we saw he, he It doesn't matter, though. Like you, you are playing for an elite offense with elite coaching, and regardless of Sean McVay's making the decisions for you, quote-unquote, to be in that position, you obviously are an intelligent guy. You obviously are athletically gifted. You obviously are put in that spot in that Sean McVay offense. So without his voice for seven seconds... There's, that should not be the difference of you looking like an all-pro slash MVP candidate that people were talking about within the first 14, 15 weeks of the season, yeah. or a dud who just throws the ball up in the air, hoping and praying. There's a big difference there. And that's I, against I, I don't yeah. know if that's the pressure cracking him, if that's leaks in him himself and his skill set, if that's reliance on the coaching staff. I'm not telling you the answer right now, but... All my take on it is that that shouldn't make that big of a difference. You helped your team get there, and yes, Sean McVay is leading the way. But for Jared Goff, this is another walk in the park for the Rams. This, and I understand it's the Super Bowl, but just because you're talking about a seven to ten second difference, and maybe him having to make one to five big time audible decisions. It was the fact that he had audible all on his own without McVay giving him any guidance. And I agree. I just think you need to play back and forth. I I know. No, I agree that it shouldn't make that big of a difference, but it's ridiculous. The reality is it did make that big of a difference. And that's why I guess I'm leaving that open-ended question of what's wrong. What was it? If it was the pressure cracking and Belichick being an absolute genius, him having cracks in his skill set, I'm not going to give that, that answer, but I still think if you're in that position in the Super Bowl, you just needed one good drive. And I am going to give him credit for that pass that he threw to Cooks towards the end of the game that was in the basket. Yeah. It literally bounced off Cooks' hands yeah, in the end zone. Him. You should have caught that. You catch that, it's a completely different game. So Catch that, they take the lead. That's what I'm saying. Then. It's a yeah. completely different conversation that we're having right now. We're talking about the Rams possibly as Super Bowl winners. And if not, we're not talking about a dud of an offense. At least there was the that that we can five. write. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. At least there's that we can write home about. So... We have to put that blame on his receivers not getting help. Well, either. at the same time, though, he had Cooks wide open in the back of the end zone a little bit earlier, he, and if he, he did, miss he's it. streaking yes. down the middle of the he field. He did miss it, but we're talking about him coming through in the clutch. That last play to Cooks was exactly when the Rams needed it. What's the Super Bowl? What did Tom Brady do? He unleashed that one deep bomb that put him on the goal line that opened up that touchdown. Yeah, that helped him out there. That one play. Goff had that one play. It just got dropped by Cooks. But he he made that throw that last time. He he could have made it better. But the fact that he didn't make the throw the first time is what I'm Okay, then we'll call it a healthy scratch. But regardless... It's not a healthy scratch. But at the end, when it counts and you make that throw, he made that throw. And that's Brandon Cooks. He also made the... 
flying just but Brandon Cooks probably hasn't slept since mm-hmm. after missing that he knows that he has he has the trophy in his hand against his former team he also gave in the Gilmore. biggest moment of his career yeah, he also, you don't think that's gonna ride his ass for a hell for a long oh, time I'm sure it is but Goff also gave Gilmore just a gift basket here you go let me just toss it no, up I completely agree with you that was me talking was, about the fact that he just cracked. But yeah. he did make the one play that they needed, just like Brady made that one play. It's just that the receiver came down with it on one end, and the other one they didn't. And I said, I think on the last podcast about his body language, like Jared Goff has a lot of maturing in the NFL to do. And I watch people on the sidelines. I watch weird things. I watch the offensive line, which is a lot of people don't do. But he really does. Like he gets down on himself. Like he, um, and I'm not not talking bad about it. I mean, that's a very human emotion that we all do. But. He needs to mature. Needs to mature quickly. Like he's going into now year four in the NFL. He's about to be up for his first like renegotiation on his contract. Like he botched the biggest game of his career, and I'm not blaming him because at Cal he was never, and whether it's his team, he was never at that stage at that level. He was never in the championship. He was never in the Pac-12 championship. I don't know his high school career. Maybe he wasn't even state champion in high school. So for all for all intents and purposes, this may have been the biggest game at the at any level that he ever played. The only championship game he's ever played in. So yeah, you get one time to flinch, but he really needs to take this and learn. I think that if he takes us the right way, we have someone scary. I think it's brighter days in LA. I think Sean McVay's a smart coach. I hope. I think they have weapons there. Yeah. I think they showed this last offseason the front office that they're serious about improving this team. Yes, they can't retain everyone and all the moves that they did, but they're going to they should. They're going to get shifty. They're going to figure it out again. I think the Rams have LA behind them and I think they see the fan base and for the Chargers too, shout out to them for having a great year because now at least both these teams with the new kajillion dollar stadium that they're building a couple years down the road when that will be ready, they're going to be sharing the stadium and the fan base there is going to be electric. There's it's actually an amusement park. It's going to be massive. Too. It's huge. So they're not playing at the same time. They'll be playing back-to-back games mm-hmm. or alternating weeks, whatever that may come down to. But I don't think they're going to have an issue filling that stadium for no. most of the games for no. just the one team mm-hmm. playing. And the size of this thing, I saw a YouTube thing or something online, oh, it's and it's it's insane. And to speak on the Rams going into next season, they're going to have the 15th most flexible cap going into next year. To give an example, the Saints are going to be the 26th, so they're near the bottom. Rams are one above average. Um, mm-hmm. So you have a really good team. I think they let Ndonik and Sue walk. I don't think they re-signed LaMarcus Joyner. I think they let him walk too. I like where the Rams are at. They should retain all of the pieces that are under contract normally. Shouldn't really have to go after any major free agents. They should re-sign uh, Marcus Peters and Aqib Talib. Try to get them. Draft at safety. And uh, Dante Fowler and, and Aaron Donald is your pass rush right there. Are Peters and Talib free agents? So this is the last year each on their deal. So okay, Marcus so trying Peters, to extend both of them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think Talib is going to be like on a like a twilight kind of contract, yeah, where Marcus yeah. Peters is going to be up for the first major extension on his rookie deal after his rookie deal. Yeah, even though I mean it's clear, pretty clear from last year that Marcus Peters can't be your number one corner. No, I, and I actually kind of totally help. agree. I think that's actually. I know it sounds it's counterintuitive. It's good for the Rams. Yeah. I'm happy he kind of had the year he did because we can get him on like a lower deal, whether it be for one year or like three years. It definitely tanked his value a little bit playing in Wade's defense and just having the year that he did. But that number is going to help in to that cap because any other serious player that we add on offense 
is going to take away from the defense. Well, they're smart. I mean, adding guys like Sam Shields, who had a very underappreciated mm-hmm. year. He even had a catch in the Super Bowl. Sam Shields is a solid. It was corner. actually in the uh, NFC uh, Sorry, NFC Championship. Yeah. Sorry, in the playoffs. But he made cool. a move on that play. Yeah, like, which he is caught cool. it and he had to make a juke. Which is cool. I think Sam Shields with the you know, as a Packers yeah. fan, Corbin, he had a horrible route there in his career. We all thought it was over. Coming back, playing the way he's played, if they can find a couple other guys that they can add on those kind of contracts to fill in for guys like Sue if they let him walk, they get a guy like the Cowboys got in the draft from USC, Antoine Woods, who's really played out of his mind this year. And like guys like that that you can find gems in the draft that aren't first-round talents but play like one or make immediate impact. Dante Fowler coming new faces, new places, Mm -hmm. dying there in Jacksonville for a defense that's amazing, but he's clearly underperforming. Mm -hmm. And he gets traded, and you can see the kind of energy that he plays with for the Rams now. Maybe he's not putting up the numbers that everyone's hoping for still, but he's not... He's still obviously playing better than he did in Jacksonville, but you can see the impact, the way he moves. It's different on the field with the Rams. With maybe that's the way Phillips' defense. Maybe it's just playing for a new team. I don't know what that is, but yeah, I don't having Aaron Donald as a I opening that up too. Yeah, but really I think helps. that attracts other people to want to come play too. Why would you not want to play side by side with Aaron Donald yeah. when he attracts so much attention? That's he, he that, screams, that screams career year for you. That mm-hmm. screams contract yeah. year. It screams come sign a one or two year deal with us and see what we can do let's try and win a Super Bowl let's try and take down Brady and the bunch let's try and do that I think now it's their say Brady bunch the Brady bunch say Brady bunch so I think at this point the Rams are a hot attraction Mm -hmm. I think the market's great it's LA that same Lakers vibe without the same historic you know value but it's still there's no LeBron on that team right but we're here in LA and this is a hot place they got that new stadium on the uprise so if you want to come here not on one or two if you want to come inside a four or five year deal and plant your flagpole with the Rams you know that Halfway through that deal, you got a brand new stadium. You got all the attention on you. You just it's a made long the deal for an NFL player. Yeah. yeah, who knows? I'm just saying when they're going after pieces this off season, it's or not going to be. Free it's not going to be hard to attract them. Yeah. It's I mean, even one year deals. We saw this year. This was the super team that a lot of people wanted to compare to the Eagles, and that worked out horribly for the Eagles when they tried to do that. But this year with the Rams, they you could say underperformed you could say overperformed they had highs and lows throughout the regular season and the playoffs but overall i mean i'd say it was a success this dream team type they made it to the super bowl yeah. they had a great they had a lot of moving pieces Sean McVay too. handled this extremely well mm-hmm. he put peace he recovered from injuries a lot this year cooper yeah. cup going down other pieces that went down. That offensive line didn't miss Slid one up. game this And season. with the defense, too, it keeps Khalid going down. Yes, Peters yeah. was getting burned, but the rest of the guys on that defense and, clearly held it down. And that really changed everything in the regular season. The defense, what we thought was going to be a really good defense, when Khalid went down and Marcus Peters became the number one corner, the defense as a whole struggled. And once Talib came back, the defense started to look a lot better. And you talk about injuries with Cooper Cup. If Cooper Cup's healthy in that game, he's Jared Goff's safety blanket. I think that makes a big impact in this game. Also, Todd Gurley, we still have no idea what was wrong with him, but clearly something was wrong with him. If Todd Gurley, who most people would say is the best running back in the NFL, if he's healthy, it's not out of the question to I say. I think he just got overworked early in the year. And I think well, that he had the knee the issues, knee issues yeah. that he already has. They put so much wear and tear on him so early. And the the carries that he was getting and the volume that he was getting, not just the carries, 
the receptions yeah. and just the volume and the need for him in that offense, it was a constant pounding week in and week out to where when week 13, week 14 came around, and it was a gradual decrease in performance for him. It wasn't, wow, what the fuck, Gurley's gone. It was like, oh, okay, this is off week. And then it was, that's weird, you know, and then this, and all of a sudden they signed CJ Anderson for the last few weeks, and this guy's going off. He's mm-hmm. rushing for 120, 130, 140. And you're wondering, one, that's crazy because CJ Anderson, you feel like just got yeah. signed off the streets. He looks a little overweight. He, got cut, like, from he admitted that he gave up after he got cut by the Raiders. He thought no one else was going to sign him. His wife's pregnant, so he started eating with her. Yeah, and that's fine. Clearly, he was beefy. It helped out. I think he's probably going to keep some of that weight if he clearly this was a recipe for success. But he was a hero in a Super Bowl for the Broncos. Yeah. He's, he won that Super Bowl for Peyton Manning. So that's a guy who had championship experience or Super Bowl experience. And I think he was a smart ad. But going back to Gurley, it was this mysterious, okay, maybe now because the one week that Gurley finally got ruled out in fantasy purposes, we were watching that week in and week out if it was even worth playing him. Because of you know his, mm. it would look like it was the injury that was just nagging him. But I think it was more than just the injury. I think it was just him being so overworked. He was tired. He was sluggish. And the that's knees. The, and that's the thing about playing football, especially running back, is you get so beat up, your body needs like almost two full months where you're not even lifting at full power, where you're just taking a rest. And yeah. he's in the NFL. I mean, he's been taking hits like that for what, like six years now, if you compare college now and the NFL, where he's uh, taking yeah. starter reps, where he's getting hit at that right. level. I think, you know, it's funny we talk about LeBron and load management, but I really think that the Rams should look into load management for Gurley. I mean, okay, we know where they're going to get in the playoffs next year. Let's take some carries off of Gurley, put it on the second stringer so we have our horses when we need them. I think they learned their lesson with C.J. Anderson. I think they, they mm-hmm. felt blessed bringing him in and have him performing that way. Mm-hmm. And they knew they couldn't use Gurley the way they wanted to. And it was hurting them. Mm-hmm. It was hurting him. But just like you said with Goff, Goff gets down. You can tell. He's pissed off. He's sad. Works hard on his sleeve. He yeah. does. Gurley doesn't. Gurley looks fine. He's not complaining. He's not bitching, running around the sideline like Des Bryant. Mm-hmm. He's standing there. He's on the you know the bike. He's keeping himself going. He's doing whatever he can. And when he could help his team, he went in there and it looked like he tried. He had his two best. big runs uh, in the third quarter. He had a sixteen yard run and then a little six yard scamper. And like that was our only offensive like. Yeah, I think I think they, the I think sixteen they, yard run got called back, didn't it? One of them did not. It okay, put them like yeah. over the yeah, halfway point on the field. But then he had another one. I mean, we saw even with whatever injury he was dealing with, he run. yeah he had. I just remember that one that got called back that went for like 15, 16 yards. As soon as he hit the gap, he, he exploded through that. So you gotta wonder. Okay, even if he's dealing with an injury, like he was clearly as good as C.J. Anderson has been. He was clearly. The best running back of the but Rams. But not just had. that. Against the Saints, he dropped two yeah. pretty bad passes, oh too. Yeah. So it didn't look like his head was in the game either. I think it was just a, a combination of a bunch of things that we all don't really understand right now that might become more clear as the offseason goes it's on. The, yeah, it's the mental block that right. we've but talked I, about. From yeah. what Christian said, I Being agree. Being able to trust your body. I agree, Christian, about the load management. I think now he'll be more of a 13, 14, 15, maybe 16 a carry a game kind of guy where you're not pushing the envelope with 20, 25 carries or you're you know even knocking him down to 10 some games and having him be heavily involved in the passing game depending on how game flow goes and game script because you want to keep Gurley involved and that's what's one of the blessed things about him is that you can use him even if you're up or down you can use him differently so I think they look for that bruiser that guy that comes in on more 
you know, third down and short, mm-hmm. goal line situations, long drives where it's a 12-play drive, 13-play drive. McVay is just working his thing. Don't keep Gurley in the whole time. Keep mm-hmm. sub differently. I think now they're a smart coaching staff. I think one of the smartest and one of the most innovative yeah. because Wade Phillips there, he's not going to be there forever, but he's grooming some good people below him, and he's only going to have a few more years, I think, left of his career because he's getting pretty he's, old. He's got his son but, who knows Sean McVay. Yeah, he's so. getting pretty old. But Wade Phillips is a boss, but the, Sean McVay is going to be there. He's going to win so many Super Bowls in the next – he's 30 years younger than Belichick or whatever. Yeah, it's, I think the Rams are – Okay, of the teams that were in the Super Bowl race, Saints and Patriots are on the the twilight of their dynasties. The Rams. Well, we never know with the Patriots, but shut your whore mouth. <laughs> the Rams and the Chiefs are going to be the the next guys up, and I'm really excited for for those two teams to take over. I think two more teams that we want to spotlight on the podcast are going to be the Colts, and then another rising team is going to be the. Um... I think the Bears are going to be a surprising team. Honestly, the fact that Coach Nagy's there now. Coach it's of the year. All the difference. That's all they needed was a guy at the helm that knew what he was doing and is innovative on the line of scrimmage as well. The guy is just like McVay when it comes to his audibles and making magic happen on the line of scrimmage. So that's where I'm impressed with Coach Nagy. And with that defense, Vic Fangio, yes, he's gone, took that head coaching gig with the Broncos. But they're going to figure it out there for the defense. It's going to continue with that talent that they have. Khalil Mack... Fuller, Eddie Jackson, who's the real deal back there. Rick, they have Rick a lot Smith, of, yeah, even Prince Amukamura was playing extremely well for them. This team together is a mm. solid defensive core that's signed mm-hmm. for a bit. So and I want to go ahead and say Khalil Mack is going to be the defensive player of the year next year. Yeah. Want to call it early? I, I want to say Aaron Donald again, but you don't think Donald wins it again? I think this I think gets Cleo political, Mack. and I don't I mean, think they're going to give it to Aaron Donald we'll three see times. I, like I mean, a lot of a lot of stuff can change before the start of Injuries next regular season. Yeah, but I think Khalil Mack is the way too early defensive player of the year. Yeah, I can see that. I, you know what, I would kind of agree with that. But a lot of stuff can change again before the start of the regular season. But, but they seriously have a good formula there. They spent a lot of money this offseason. So this is not a team that's going to be wheeling and dealing in free agency. They put a lot of money down last offseason, invested in contracts that weren't one-year deals, locked up a receiving core, and then yeah. they got lucky with you know a quarterback that is pretty much Alex Smith 2.0, a game manager, Mitch Trubinsky, who works perfectly with Coach Nagy, which is fine. And Tariq Cohen, who is one of my favorite players in this league, as a fantasy guy, I absolutely love him and what he was able to bring for his value. But for that football team, he you can use him not like Gurley, but in that same idea that I just said, where if you're up, you can still give him carries and you know milk the game out. Yeah, you can also throw him in the passing game. I really like. And when you have Jordan Howard, you can definitely do that because you have fire and ice. You have your bell count running back. Like, you need a one. I can't remember. I had Jordan Howard on my team. He had a game where he had, like, five carries. Like, one of them was for a touchdown, and one of them was, like, a 15-yard carry, and he still had, like, eight points to end the game for me. He can be that running back for you. There's... In the end, I know uh, Nagy had said that it was uh, because of game plan where Tariq Cohen had gotten 20 carries and Howard had gotten five. But that's just the testament to their offense is it can change that much to where someone as good yeah. as Howard will get five carries. And then I can't remember who they played with. They had won that game convincingly with Howard at five. Infuriated me as a fantasy owner, but that's just how their offense works. And I know there's rumors of them possibly signing Kareem Hunt. And while he is a human piece of shit, if they add him to the roster and he's allowed to play, you have a three-headed Hydra running yeah. back core that like, Jesus Christ. Like they, if that does happen... 
I would be happy for the sole fact that that is the best trio of running backs I can possibly think of as a collective group. I really hope that Kareem Hunt's not in the NFL next year. But I mean, I get your speculation with just the reports that came out. I don't either. But I did get that Hydra reference because I'm currently watching the Avenger movie. Hell, Hydra! (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, the Bears. I agree, Christian. I think the Saints definitely probably on the decline. I mean... We spoke about Breeze's situation before. Let's see. He wasn't throwing if, the ball down for yeah, to end the season. We'll see if it was an injury issue, if it was age. We'll know Load that management. pretty soon. Yeah, we'll know that pretty soon going into the next season. Patriots, I hope they're eventually... At some point. I got, some I, point. You have to think eventually at some Here's point, the, right? But Tom Brady says 45. That's four more seasons, right? Yeah. That's four more fucking seasons we'll have to deal with him. 45. If he doesn't retire, I'm making him retire. He told us 45. 45 he is when he's jumping us. off. He promised us that's when he'd let so the league all have a chance. Max four. Max four more yeah. years of Brady. Saints, one, maybe one more year of a window next year. I'm excited to see what the Patriots do this offseason. They always just make that one or two moves that and they finesse. need. Like you were talking about, Corb, when you highlighted all the losses that yeah. they had in the offseason. The offensive line depth, secondary depth, Deion Lewis, so many different factors that we thought went wrong. And now at this point, we can see that Belichick clearly is... I have a question for you guys. So clearly, I think a dynasty is a team that has fluid success for a five to ten year span. Mm -hmm. The Lakers were a dynasty in the early 2000s. Like there was... Dynasties. What is this? This is more than a dynasty. This is twenty. This is this is the. What do you call it? What do you what do you call? Is there a special name for? Or can we can we take some time after the podcast and try and come up with one? Because I was thinking about the other day, and I know I was Brady Bunch Dynasty. I I, it has to be more than a dynasty because a dynasty. I'll give it to someone that is elite for five years. If the Warriors capped out right now and said we never win another championship right now, that's a dynasty. They were a dynasty, but. I think now, when you get to the 20-year mark of success like this, and especially with millennials and people that haven't been watching the game since like their the whole 70s, life. 80s, the whole life has been This is basically Patriots our entire life success. So I want to come up with a name if there isn't one, because this is much more than a dynasty. So after the it's pod, saga? we'll one. It's <laughs> like a, I don't even know what to call it. A fable. A the, legend. It's the, the dynasty. I think this is the... Not the most successful dynasty in sports history, but I think the most incredible dynasty in sports history when you think about it. Because of all of the major sports, especially all the major sports in North America with basketball, baseball, football, and to a lesser degree, hockey. Hey, don't foot- get out of here with the hockey shit. Okay. Okay, we'll keep it in there. He the said major lesser sport. degree, ice is colder, yeah. less degrees. Thank you. Oh, there we go. Thank you. All right, cool. Thank That's you, fine. That's fine. Gotcha. Boom. Gotcha. But out of all of those sports... Football is the one sport where you should not be able to maintain a dynasty like this because you're getting injured more than in any other sport. You also have, you lose once in the playoffs and you're out. So for the Patriots to consistently, they've been to eight straight AFC championship games, six Super Bowls starting 17 years ago. It's just unbelievable that they've been able to continuously have this type of success and the only year that they didn't make the playoffs in these past 17 years, they still won 11 games. And why did they not make the playoffs? Tom Brady tore his ACL, I forgot what else, the first, first game of the season. That was the Matt Castle year. Yeah, and Matt Castle still, I think he was a pro bowler. He got traded to the Chiefs for a money. second round yeah. pick. Yeah, it is incredible what they have been able to do. Unbelievable. 
staying on the Patriots for a minute, I know it just every year it just seems like they, whatever they do, they retool and come back. What do you guys think is their biggest need that they need to address this offseason? Offensive so that, line? Yeah. Because uh, running back, you're locked up. Yeah. Um, defense, it seems like they can just kind of put whatever out there yeah. and then make it happen. So And they keep losing defensive coordinators and filling that role like it's nothing. Well, it's the most coveted not head coaching job in the NFL. You, the have, you have the best defensive mind. Miami should be feeling good after resume. that defensive performance yeah. with their new head coach. Coming. But also, I mean, a lot of the credit... So the credit definitely goes to Flores, but also Belichick is definitely right, but scheming. F- Flores was, but yeah, he executed the game plan at the very least. Was pristine. Yeah. Okay. So spoke about the Patriots. What about the Rams? What do you think is their biggest need that they need to address this offseason? Moving on from Lamarcus Joyner, finding some youth in that in that safety. Uh, even if you want to go cornerback, even though, though Joyner is pretty young himself. I just don't like the amount of money that yeah. we would have to pay him. And if we're going to move on, restock. And then also to, the other thing is to find a young pass rusher to pair with Aaron Donald. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you need to spend money. Just go with someone that – that uh, I can't remember what school. It's Western Western Missouri. There's a 320-pound defensive tackle that can do backflips and can pass yeah, rush. Yeah, like, I remember. Just take guys like those, like very fast D-tackles, and just pair them next to Aaron Donald. And you'll find one that works. <laughs> no, I agree. That's – crazy with Aaron Donald and he's able to create so much space for other people and I think that's the most attractive thing is a D lineman oh really I'm just gonna get free tickets to the quarterback mm-hmm. half the time because Aaron Donald has three fucking guys on him down like line me up where should I go mm-hmm. where where do I sign seriously that's the best situation for them for the Rams I think offense is pretty taken care of mm-hmm. you come back Cooper Cups healthy mm-hmm. girly hopefully healthy you figure out that like we said game management with running backs I don't know if that's CJ Anderson maybe that even means drafting you know Alvin Kamara was taken in yeah. the third round yeah or you get your round, second yeah. round yeah you get your guy in an early round and play running back what would be what would be interesting for me though I would like to see them get another go at a tight end in the draft 100%. they don't have to spend money like you said, you don't have yeah. to go out and try and sign someone. The best signing, quote unquote, for tight end last year was Jimmy Graham, who was far past Awful. his prime and yeah, paid was. a lot of money. So you're not going to find the market's not rich. And you saw, I mean, as a fantasy guy, the tight end position was a joke. It was, awful. It was a joke. Why well, George Kittle? So. Just absolutely <laughs> praying for <laughs> anyone that put up any kind of production. You find a guy like George Kittle, where, where he where was drafted. I, George Kittle was a mid round draft pick. So. That's a guy that you need to be looking for in the draft. Yes, Everett is okay. You know, yeah. everyone else on that roster, it's you know questionable when it comes to tight end, and you don't need a big, huge guy that's blocking for your run scheme because you're running jet sweeps and having so much misdirection. You don't need that big, bulky guy. You need a guy that's going to fit perfectly in that offense and be a game changer for you and be able to take over because Tyler Higby and Everett, they they're have okay. potential. They're okay. They're perfect two and three guys. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. But if you have that number one guy, and it doesn't have to be a Gronk, but just a guy that can take that to the next level, and God forbid a guy like Cooper Cup goes down again, I think he needs what you called another security blanket. I think they should go after only Gronk-type players. They need receiving tight end. I'm talking about more about his size because he's Gronk's exceptionally big. You don't expect Gronk to be able to run and catch the ball that size. That usually a guy that big is more of a run blocking specialist. So I mean, even if it's a more slender guy, I think anybody right now in this offense for the Rams, if he's just a game changing guy with his passing, pass catching ability, and can still block. I think if you can figure it out, it's the 2019 league. I think you can seamlessly fit in as just an oversized receiver. Yeah, it's going to be. 
difficult for the Rams because I think, Christian, you mentioned that they don't necessarily have to improve their team through free agency. They can do it through the draft. But because they've been so aggressive through trades this past year, they don't have a first-round pick or a third-round pick. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be hard to get that top-level talent through the draft, at least someone who can come in and contribute Mm -hmm. right away. I think that the Rams defensively, linebackers, yes, they could use a pass-rushing linebacker, but just a linebacker in general, whether it's a middle linebacker or an Mm -hmm. outside linebacker that can get after the passer, just something there because their linebackers are okay right now, but they could use a difference maker there because they definitely have a difference maker on the defensive line. And then back line of the defense, they have some playmakers in the secondary. They lose LaMarcus Joyner, which I agree they probably will. They're going to need to fill that. And it's not going to be an easy void to fill, even though I don't think Joyner is worth the price tag that it would take to bring him back. He's still a really good player. So finding someone to take over his role and even give them 80% of what he did it's going to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Offensively, obviously the Rams are a fantastic offense, and this is more just like nitpicking than anything. Obviously, tight end, Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby are okay, but I agree they could use a better tight end. But wide receiver, I like Brandon Cooks, and I like the extra wrinkle he brings to the offense, and I think McVay can get very creative with him. Mm-hmm. But if they were going to trade a first-round pick for a wide receiver, I'm not saying Brandon Cooks isn't worth it, but... Man, it would be nice to have a big, tall, wide receiver on the outside. I think you can find that in the draft. I think you know what Brandon Cooks is. He's a game changer for you, and he's perfect for your offense. You look for that one guy that can just blow the top off a Tyree Kill type of player. But you can find that six foot six freak from Southern Alabama that was clearly just undervalued in recruiting and has been blowing the top off undervalued competition so clearly like i'm not saying you're gonna find that next guy but but what about like a kenny galladay you know you can find that in the draft nowadays with just how freakish these athletes are i feel like the market for a massive tight end that's a possession receiver obviously is not very fluid and your counter they don't have a first round pick but the only wide receiver that's big in the first round is dj metcalf and that they would not even close to have the pick to draft him so the only other wide receiver would probably marquis uh, Marquise Brown from Marquise Oklahoma, Brown. Yeah. and they still would probably be, and that wouldn't even be a yeah. guy that they would need. So the first round He's, pick is worth Brandon like Cooks, man, yeah. because in this draft there's no other well, receiver. Nikhil that, Harry from Nikhil uh, Harry from Arizona ASU State. is really good too, but he doesn't have that size. We're talking about. No, he has the size. Not not that kind that you were talking about with a massive big receiver. He's he he's didn't got that break mix. my first round. Um, doesn't mean that he won't break the first round. Uh, but I still think they can get him with their second round pick. Like it's not. To what you said is, I wish they had that first round pick. I don't. I would rather trade that first round pick that would be this draft. I wasn't for Brandon. Cooks. Oh, I wasn't saying it was a bad trade because mm-hmm. I think Cooks definitely the value is there. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying if you were going to trade that first round pick, you'd rather have be a bigger. It would be nice to have yeah mm-hmm. someone who okay like essentially for the Super Bowl where Goff just lobs it up. He's lobbing it mm-hmm. up for Brandon Cooks. This is an awful throw. So. Probably no wide receiver makes But that's that going to take me to my tight end point where I just said you don't need the biggest run-blocking dude. You practically need a Zacher. It's an oversized receiver that's just – or not even – That's You yeah. just need that you know, on Ingram, your team. So that's your guy. Six, three-ish. That's your guy you throw the ball up and hope and pray that they come down with it and stuff. So 
Brandon Cooks is that perfect piece and is exactly what they needed. And a big reason why was because of how unimpressed they probably were with the draft class coming into this year. It's not like they didn't yeah. do scouting to make no, sure they didn't get their guy. No, totally. But I, I think that at this point, they're going to be able to find that tall guy that can run routes and do exactly what you're kind of saying in the right type of tight end if they search for that Rams. Yeah, I guy. mean, in the second round... Irv Smith, maybe from Alabama. He's a borderline first round, second round draft prospect. I know the uh, the draft this year has a lot of really good tight end prospects. They're, coming in. they're so deep, especially on offense. I I would six fifth, sixth, seventh round was where I would take my tight end if I were them. Yeah, and no, so I prioritize players. defense over offense for sure. But I'm just, just saying, in a, in a perfect world, you'd have a bigger receiver. Oh, no. You'd have a mm-hmm. better tight end that can give you a little bit more. And in an extremely perfect world. I mean, they traded the entire farm to go up and get Jared Goff with the first overall pick, and he did not have that great of a first year. Christian, I think I know. I think no. you know where I'm going with this. If they had just waited a year, and uh, if they had Patrick Mahomes on their team, who went 12th overall. Just imagine that offense with Mahomes instead of Goff. So who Ernest wins Wentz. the Super Bowl next year? And with, with mean, even without the offseason considered, <clears throat> we run it back next year, and you kind of just assume how this plays out. Players develop. Ignore the offseason. Ignore the draft. We run it back next year. Who wins it? Rams. Yeah, if we run it back, it's the Rams because I think I think this that Sean McVay. Yeah, I think that Sean McVay. Look, he's the youngest coach in NFL history to ever win a playoff game, much less make it to a Super Bowl. He's had unprecedented success for someone that young. He said flat out, I got outcoached against Bill Belichick, and he absolutely did. But Sean McVay is extremely intelligent. I think he's going to learn from this, just like I hope Jared Goff learns from this. Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley, too. And I just think that, I mean, obviously stuff's going to happen, but if we were to run it back... I feel like this is just the start of, I don't want to say a Patriots-type dynasty because I don't think that's ever going to happen again. And obviously, Goff is nothing like Tom Brady. But Sean McVay has every bit, every piece of what you would want from a head coach to be able to give you an extended run, an extended championship window where you know as long as you have good talent, not even necessarily great, even though the Rams have some really good talent right now. But even if you just give them good talent... He's smart enough to be able to utilize that talent in the right ways to where you are consistently, year in and year out, going to be a threat for the Super Bowl. Running back, Chiefs win it. <clears throat> as long as the refs don't... Uh, the coin As long as they swap out. Uh, yeah. yeah, please, please NFL. As long as D. Switch. Ford learns how to stand behind the line of scrimmage, they're in the Did Super Bowl. Did you see he made that mistake in the Pro Bowl win. game, too? Oh yeah, I he was outside. He was like, he's like, he he doesn't learn. He doesn't. <laughs> or he just doesn't give a fuck. He's like, I'm lining here. You call me if you want. Cool. Like, then they should just trade his ass. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, he's a free agent. He's a free agent. So. We'll see. He's Sign him, trade him, <laughs> take the hit. That's all we got for you guys today on NFL Unwrapped and wrapping up a incredible season with an awful end with that game. But I'm glad we got to talk about God. all aspects of it and talk about the Rams' future. Some of the other teams that we think have. A lot of potential. We talked about the Bears. We talked about the Colts. So teams that we're on the lookout for for next year. But unwrapped here for NFL is not going to stop. 
We're going to keep our off-season coverage going, mm-hmm. whatever does unfold with any more signings or any more developments, and then obviously leading yeah, into free agency. Yeah, free agency, draft, draft season. That's our favorite time, draft. Mm-hmm. I love draft season for NFL and, and NBA. Yeah. We had such a fun time with mm-hmm. Saquon and all the quarterbacks coming in this last year. Mm-hmm. It's not, I don't think, as loaded this year, but we're going to have just as much fun. And well, it's just loaded just in yeah, different ways. Different, different, different positions. Off, I would say more offensively. You this, know, no, defensive line. I said not as loaded oh, yeah. offensively. And this is going to be fun year. because if you follow us on the college football side of this, it's really going to transition to our NFL because at some point these college players will yeah. become NFL players. So right. uh, I think this will be a cool offseason. We'll start with our first mock draft this weekend on the college football podcast. And, and that's we'll going to have- be with Christian and Mike. So make sure you guys tune into that. The last one they put out was our national championship episode. And that yeah. one was amazing with them too. And now we're going to do uh, college football free agency because of the transfer portal. That is now a thing. And Which uh, you wrote a very good yes, article. Thank on, you. So I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah if you guys out. haven't read that on unwrappedsports.com, go ahead and do that. Christian takes us through all of the top... The big guys, yeah. yeah. There's, I, I, I'll be honest with you guys, if you really look at this transfer portal thing, there's hun- like there's so many people that are in this portal. Division two schools, the NAIA, Division one AA, like there's a lot of people moving around now, and it's really, really exciting if you just take a look at the spreadsheet and see, like, there's dudes from South Alabama that end up at Power 5 schools grad transferring. Like, it's really, really cool to see where these guys are using college free agency now to... I think that's something that's developed only in the last October 18th is when the portal started. That's awesome. I didn't even know that. So This this year is the first year you can field an offer while still having a current offer from your school. You usually have to give up your offer, not be a college student, and, you know... Try to restart your recruitment. So I'm, take on that risk. Yeah, you yeah, so, I love that. But yeah, make sure you guys are follow, following the CFB Unwrapped Twitter page and keeping an eye out for that episode that should be dropping within the next week. Yeah, recording it Sunday should come to you guys. Monday. There it is. We're gonna have this episode and the NBA episode up rather tomorrow or Sunday. It's Friday night, so we'll have it sometime this weekend. That way, you guys are listening. Obviously, going into next week, and if you are impatient waiting for our pods, make sure again, like we said, go to unwrapsports.com to read all of those articles from these guys from all of our contributors such a great team we already talked about it before and you know, make sure to follow us on Twitter for our page here at NFL Unwrapped my page at Perry Aston Corbin at Corbin Unwrapped and McGowan at McGowan75 people call me McGowan it's fine <laughs> Christian <laughs> delete that's, my first name from your mind that's why McGowan75 but also our network page as well at Unwrapped Sports that's where we're tweeting all the articles and pretty much all the podcasts too. So if you don't like seeing all of our breaking coverage from each and individual sport, you just can just go to our hub. network page and just see all of our stuff. Great content. Yeah, and just want to remind you guys that football is not completely over. We still have the Alliance of American Football, which is comprised of players that are no longer in the NFL. Second and chance. Call, yeah, My college. former teammate, Will Hines, uh, is on one of the teams. The- Toby Briggs. Okay. I know it's the gray one. There's just, I don't know the names yet, but I will learn them. I will learn San Diego them. Fleet, let's go. Yeah, no, but it's going to be interesting. So that's going to be starting this weekend. I'm not sure what channel it's going to be on, but I believe I believe it's going to be televised. So, yeah, it has to be. Um, and I, yeah, for all of you diehards, just football's still here, so go not? ahead and watch, watch it. it. I did hear a rumor that the Alliance and the uh, springtime NFL Developmental League are actually going to be joining forces, okay. or they're, oh, that Texas they're going Spring to, yeah, they're yeah. Going to be I remember together. Johnny Manziel was in the Texas the one last year. Last year. Come back yeah, I, I think it's really cool. Yeah, no, just more football. Can't complain.